Hi everyone, this is Eric Malmstrom, CEO of Safe Traces, and I'd like to welcome you to the Safe Traces podcast. Today we have the honor of hosting Ron McMahon, Director of Business Development and Innovative Solutions at SGS Galson, uh, the leading occupational health and safety lab in the world. Ron has been at the forefront of applying burgeoning technology to real-time applications for over 30 years. Ron leads the marketing and business development team at SGS EHS USA, and he works with staff and clients to develop innovative ways to make sampling simpler. Thanks so much for being on the show today, Ron. Yeah, thanks, Eric. So you've had a long and successful career in the uh, indoor air quality arena and uh, more broadly, occupational health and safety. Tell us a bit about your your current role and your path to getting there. So uh, I joined SGS about five years ago, six years ago now, and um, part of my job was to help uh, just form the sales and marketing team and and doing that, uh, building innovative solutions to really make sampling simpler and and to bring technology to the forefront uh, in our market. And so that's been the biggest activity. And, and so we're always looking for steps that will help us be a better provider of data for the protection of workers and the environment. And, and even now down to really a commercial or consumer level. So um, that's what's been going on. And, and those developments have, have uh, continued to uh go forward and, and it's fun because it, my background a little bit in in the rugged computer world working with the department of defense back in the mid late 2000s was being exposed to all kinds of technology around controlling robots and different devices and so all the technology that was available then is now really becoming commercialized and so we're able to use some of that tech and some of the things happening in the web driven world the internet of things and and uh we think we're pretty much on the forefront of that with regards to occupational health. And uh, over over your 30-year career, talk to us about some of the big changes that you've seen from what, what was going on when you started to today. Well, definitely an improvement in technology, um, just the availability, <coughs> excuse me, of the internet and getting access to information and data. Uh, and again, 30 years ago, microprocessors were really only used in uh, volume applications like automobiles and things. And now there's, you know, the ability to, to uh, put sensors and instruments and, and, and pumps together that are modular, that really just about anybody can do it. Uh, it's just become so simple to make things advanced. Uh, you know, back in the day, you'd carry around 20 pound boxes and pumps and things that were unwieldy to be able to do any kind of occupational health studies. And uh, with technology today, it's a, it could be as simple as a plug-in item to your cell phone to uh, get the same readings you needed that big box for before. So uh, just that advance in technology and communication, internet uh, has really driven a lot, uh, just a lot of changes. Great. And uh, so now you're at SGS Galson, which is widely recognized as the leading uh, uh, lab and uh in, in industrial hygiene sampling and monitoring. Give us a sense of SGS Galson's uh, work, both in terms of its size and its scope, and then specifically, what is uh, SGS Galson doing with respect to COVID and solutions it's providing to clients? Right, so so SGS Galson um, is a really unique 
lab and that we're, we are so process oriented, it is, uh, no one would believe it if they really, still today, the people don't understand how we do what we do and the time frame that we do it. But the, the lab, when it was first assembled and put together as an industrial hygiene lab, it was all about automation. So we process over, uh, you know, routinely. And again, this year is a little different because of COVID, but uh, anywhere between 300 and 400,000 samples a year. And we do that with a uh, team really effectively less than 120 people. So our automation and our uh, focus on quality and what we do is just incredible and it allows us to move quickly. Um, and what's really interesting about that is one of our biggest things is providing a complete solution for the people that are doing that work, which are pumps and the media and everything all included. So uh, our big uh, service factor is not only do we turn samples quicker than any lab, routinely we guarantee it you know to a point where you don't even have to pay for it if we don't meet our turnaround time um those kind of things that no other lab would ever ever extend themselves that way because uh, they really just no lab contains the automation that we have and um and so the free pump loan program and, and being able to bundle things together provide solutions has been our forte and now with bringing you know we also rent instruments handheld instruments uh, stationary instruments and now smart sense uh, which is web enabled that can and that kind of device can take a sample. And so those things are what really make Golson such an incredible solution to people. And uh, our client services group, you know, we have a, we have a 20 second answer um, requirement. Uh, we literally have 10 people on the phone systems. And if, if a call is in the queue for more than 20 seconds, alarms go off and uh, our chat functions, our web interface, being able to place orders online on and on. So then, now that's been the basis of our growth and our strength and, and why we're considered the service leader in the, and the leader in this particular area. Uh, and when COVID came along, then basically what we did was react quickly to try and provide every service in a bundle way to help our clients, which are primarily consultants in large companies, to um, you know, do everything possible to try and make the workplace safe, uh, which is always our, our goal. And so we've introduced COVID, uh, you know, SARS-CoV-2, which is what creates the COVID uh, virus or the COVID disease. Uh, we've released uh, air methods, surface methods, um, and all kinds of uh, chemical testing for any of the disinfectants that are used so that we can uh, make sure that what's being used to disinfect a building or, or a school or whatever is, is not something that's going to cause another problem. Uh, so all those things are readily available. You click online, you order it, and uh, you can talk to experts to get information. And then obviously, you know, I think we'll probably talk about this, but SafeTrace is um, one of the biggest things is where, you know, airflow is huge uh, with the transmission of COVID-19 via aerosols. Uh, where that goes and what your HVAC system is doing or what your filtration system is doing or any kind of air handler, um, uh, you know, the missing component for us in our solution set has always been where's the air going and what, you know, how does it accumulate in certain areas based on collection points of aerosol. So through safe traces and real-time instruments and other analysis capabilities, we, we really are taking a, a, another full step in trying to uh, become more preventative and help, help people in design of their building solution to try and keep aerosol loads down and, and all the related things around the other COVID-19 cleanup efforts. So just uh, continuing on that that last point about the importance of 
airflow. So we're now in North America as we record this in early November in month eight or nine of the the, the pandemic. Uh, and the understanding of the, the transmission risk has really evolved from the early days of the pandemic to where we are today and specifically the role of aerosols and kind of airflow um, being something very important in terms of how the virus is spreading and how you need to keep spaces uh, safe for people to occupy. Can you talk to us a little bit about, in, in terms of your own dealings within the industrial hygiene community and then to actual end customers, how they've uh, kind of reacted to this information? Has it fully sunk in yet? And what are they doing now to help mitigate this risk? So I think um, the you know the first thing is like any other industrial hygiene application, you try to engineer uh, out the problem. Um, in the case of COVID-19, because of so many people that do have COVID and can be a spreader, be a, but also be asymptomatic, it's very difficult when you're trying to repopulate a building or a school or whatever to determine uh, through any simple method like temperature or whatever that there's an issue. So you know, when you look at the cause and effect, the next step is, okay, we, we do have someone in a facility, we have, you know, we have an issue. How do we know, how can we do everything we can to prevent that from becoming a problem for the, for the rest of the public or the rest of the people inside of a facility? So, um, you know, surface transmission is, you know, something that can be handled through, you know, uh, disinfection and cleaning and those type of things. Uh, but as that time has gone on, like you said, we now are in, 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 in a, uh, just a time frame that everyone has become uh, increasingly aware that uh, aerosol transmission is probably the issue. Um, and the fact that these smaller aerosols can stay airborne for a prolonged period of time. So in a building environment, um, you know, where is that air headed? If I have a, a carrier and they're emitting uh, virus, how do I track where that could go how can it where can it accumulate because uh, you're still dealing with a dose issue you're still dealing with the amount of virus units and how long you're exposed and if you can if you can mitigate the airflow so that at, at any given point we don't have an accumulation point and we're social distancing and we're doing everything we can to prevent the spread through aerosol by knowing where the air goes and eliminating those factors ventilating more adding filtration whatever it might be maybe even locking down an area that we have no control over because we can't change the way the ventilation is done easily. Um, it's become ultimately the probably single largest control factor that industrial hygienists and occupational health people are trying to figure out. Um, and then for our standpoint, then all of a sudden now we can do, we can do SARS-CoV-2 air testing. We can do surface testing and almost being able to do that in a real-time fashion, not with a real-time instrument, but, you know, rapid lab, lab analysis and, paying attention to what's going on and contact tracing, you can, you can affect potentially, since you can't control the source, you can affect the spread of that source. Uh, and that's become the main focus of, in our industry. Uh, and that's what we're seeing everywhere. Uh, recognized by in, uh, you know, the American Institute of Industrial Hygienists, everyone, all AICHE, everybody is, is, uh, is onto that and it's becoming critical. So do you think that, uh, 
where we're at right now that people have people broadly defined as those responsible for advising uh, on industrial hygiene and occupational health and safety and then actual uh, facility managers do they have a good handle right now in terms of what they need to be doing within their spaces to keep them safe and mitigate this risk and, and just bringing in your your um, frontline experience you're talking to clients and partners constantly. Um, so what is your sense of like where we are right now in terms of getting the situation under control from an engineering stamp, engineering control standpoint? So I think the, um, there are a lot of, there's a lot of movement uh, by the professional uh, group of industrial hygienists, occupational health people that based on the aerosol uh, situation, they know there's critical parameters that can be measured to determine just the basic uh, potential for accumulation of aerosol. Um, the uh, one thing that's unknown, and up till now, really, and I, honestly, until safe traces, and the ability to use multiple emitters uh, at one time for um, basically mimicking a situation where you'd have multiple re releases in an area or in a, uh, in a building. Um, the, the real issue is trying to, uh, how do you figure that out from the standpoint of a carrier? Uh, a lot of uh, people that deal with, uh, you know, HVAC systems and mechanical ventilation systems are are just saying, hey, we just need to ventilate more. But that's going to become less and less uh, capable for people to do as we start to, uh, you know, move into the colder months. And so the true air path of multiple aerosols in a building at any given moment is, an, is a variable that people haven't been able to figure out. They can figure out one thing, one parameter, and it's still not really truly an aerosol. It's generally either using smoke or a tracer gas. So um, I think people aren't aware of the technology to be able to do maybe something more thorough. And through the effort of, of SGS Galson partnering with people like SafeTrace and technologies like that, uh, SafeTrace being a very unique one because of its DNA uh, tracer capability, I think it's, it's becoming invaluable in the people that we're dealing with, the companies we're dealing with are seeing that value. Uh, and it, and when we have the proper time to explain it and get into it, but we honestly, it's, uh, it's at the height of their interest uh, to, to perform these kind of tests. And we see that, uh, you know, escalating at a, at a very high level. Because it is, if you can't stop the source, yet your next step is, is mitigation. And, and what's the most effective way to mitigate the spread of the, of the virus? And it all ties to airflow. All right. So, and want to bring in a, a, another lens into this this uh, challenge that we have right now. So, clearly, first and foremost is the occupational health and safety risk that's being um, created by the virus. But that also is met with a financial reality of um, the the costs of what it. Uh, the cost of making changes to buildings, whether it's within the, the confines of the existing HVAC system or layering in other solutions, whether it's portable HEPA filters or UV or bipolar ionization. Um, and when you're managing uh, large properties or a portfolio of properties, the cost can start adding up really quickly. What is your sense uh, in terms of your client discussions and otherwise, in terms of how people are weighing the, the occupational health and safety benefits of these various measures they can be taking versus the, the costs associated with that and being able to rationalize those? 
Well, I think so. Uh, in, in our case, again, because we do so much, uh, so much uh, analysis of different samples of, of all kinds, uh, we've been involved in a lot of studies with our clients to validate methods. It, you know, does this work? Does an uh, ozone generation, uh, hydrogen peroxide generation, bipolar ionization, HEPA filters, MERV-13, MERV-8, MERV-1, whatever levels, all these different approaches. And, and, and every single study we've been involved in, which is, you know, well in excess of 10 to 20 uh, already, um, it all comes down to, is it, if I, if I, as a company invest in this, is it going to give us the results we require? And so it's, it is, it's tantamount to make the right decision to these companies from an energy consumption standpoint, uh, from a nuisance standpoint, from an effectiveness standpoint, uh, can I put these things in and are they going to do what they are advertised to do? Um, we're working with three or four labs even today, not just clients, but laboratories that are testing these different devices in different simulated chambers. And um, there is some promise of some of this going the right way. And then, but again, what are the caveats? A lot of times when you go one way, there may be another issue. And that's what the occupational health people are concerned about is, hey, this may work, but is it creating other issues? And but they they're all trying to figure out the right decision and and uh, on which way to head on this because it's it's critical. The implementation of these devices is critical. So, um, based on the the data that you've been uh, collecting and the testing that you've been doing on the various solutions, can you give us an overview on some of the the key findings of which which are seeming to um, indicate stronger performance uh, versus which, which ones is the story more mixed, you know, to the extent that you can generalize? Yeah, I, I, of course we can't talk about anything specifically, right, uh, based on confidentiality of our work. But, um, you know, it's, it is a mixed bag. It really is. Uh, you know, there's, um, and it's tough to generalize it because, honestly, uh, people talk about different technologies um, and so you can't just go, oh, you know, X, Y, Z is the way to go because X, Y, Z technology applied five different ways. Only one of them could be effective or might, might be the effective one. So what we're seeing is that in every situation of all these different tech from, a, it, it really comes down to the, to the tech technology and the, and the methodology that these manufacturers are applying that, um, the one thing we do know is, you know, filtration, again, getting rid of the aerosols, adding fresh air, uh, you know, either through, you know, uh, dilution or filtration is a big factor to help uh, this situation. And then some of the air treatment things are more, more, again, very related to, to uh, uh, direct application of the technology, uh, how they move airflow through it, how they, how they, you know, stimulate whatever the, the, the system may be, whether it's a catalytic reaction or an ionization. I mean, on and on. It's just there's. It's been done, it's been done so many different ways. That's why people are continuing to test all the time because the the claims are inconsistent between some of these companies. And so, um, you know, I don't I don't think there's a panacea yet. Uh, there's a lot going on, and I think every every situation, everyone should just do everything they can to minimize the impact in their facilities, and and that can be done through you know real time monitoring as well as um, you know tests like Safe Trace or other things to to validate how well it's working and that that is a and it it's affordable the other part of all this is it's not it's not that unaffordable to test it and figure it out especially when a lot of spaces are are, are replicated as far as their airflow so doing studies in one or two situations or how many ever there are 
uh, and then applying that, that solution that, you know, works to the best of your ability with the efficiency that you can, it, it, uh, it it's, it's the way to go. It, and it's what people are going to do. Mm. Uh, do you think that the, the uh, toolkit that uh, industrial hygienists and other uh, uh, environmental consultants are equipped with today is sufficient to meet the um, magnitude of the challenge that we're facing right now with, with COVID? Well, I think so there's a lot of new things, and some of it's not so new. Um, but uh, I, I think right now for the time that we're in, and for a long time, what you talked about earlier was, you know, what is the method of transmission? And for a long time, you know, it, or it was just like, don't worry about masks. Yeah, aerosol isn't an issue. You know, safe distance, you know, all these things. And, and uh, you know, it's all about cleaning and fomite transmission. And, and it, things are moving. So I think uh, to, the, to, you know, our, especially the professionals we work, they're always trying to optimize everything and using whatever the latest tools are to do that. And uh, I think new tools and new ideas keep coming forward and, and it'll keep being improved. And, but at this day and time, you know, it's all about applying the best available technology. And, um, you know, I just think a lot of new things are coming out that'll help people in these decisions. Uh, and, and they can't not pay attention to the financial impact, you know, the ability to do something, uh, you know, in a financial way that makes sense uh, to have people in a building or have to repopulate schools. You know, it's, there's, there is a price tag. Um, and it's got it's got to be uh, optimized at the time that we have the best tech, best technology available to check it and test it and measure it and and apply it. So looking out on the horizon, how do you see the the uh, COVID experience impacting uh, building management, the practice of um, industrial hygiene? Is this going to be an experience that once there's a vaccine? We go back to the pre-COVID world. Are there going to be some some significant changes that we're going to see moving forward that are going to live on with us? Um, you know, I think everybody, uh, from a human perspective, everybody, you know, and I'm no, I'm not a doctor or a psychiatrist or a psychologist, but people want to get back to the way it was. Um, I think what can happen or will happen is. Some of the technology that has been uh, developed as a result of the pandemic can be extended into the industrial hygiene occupational health world. And I actually did a talk last week on this to the uh, AIHA uh, regarding that. And it's, you know, and what, what was born out of this pandemic, we all know could be used for other things. But for the first time, people really talked about contact tracing and location of people uh, relative to other people and relative to potential sources of of exposure. So um, I think some of the technology will live on and the technology will, will help to impact how we do occupational health studies and such. Uh, as far as behavior and all those kind of things, in my opinion, as strictly my opinion is it, people are going to want to get back to the way things were. So uh, in the workplace and, and, and in our lives, we're, we're going to try and get back to where we were. And I don't, I don't think some of the things that are inconvenience us today uh, will be, will continue beyond that. I don't, I don't see that. Have you um, ever experienced anything uh, like what we're going through right now in your career? Because you've been in this this world for s some time, and there have been some significant 
kind of environmental challenges that we've had in the past, but does anything stack up to what we're going through right now? So in my history and in my time of doing this, uh, at the level it's at, there's, there's nothing, nothing's ever been like, uh, this, this severe, you know, we, we've had situations where there's things that can, can cause this kind of, uh, you know, mortality issues and things and, but not, not at this kind of a rate. And that's the thing that makes us so incredible is how infectious it is and how contagious and it's just an incredible thing. Um, any other environmental hazards that we've seen and, and again, you know, you can, you can move, <laughs> you can mitigate, you can do all these things that you can, you can engineer things away, but this is something that's just, you know, it's very difficult, very difficult. Great. Well, that is a wrap. Um, thank you so much, Ron. I uh, really appreciate your time and your, your perspective. And um, we, we look forward to partnering with SGS um, and, and helping make buildings safer. Thanks so much. Yeah, for sure. And thank you, Eric.